God's plan from the beginning was after our fall, he planned that he would redeem us, that he would call us back to himself. He began that very early in the process in Genesis 3.16, you'll remember. There was a promise that was laid down that there would be one who would eventually come who would crush the, the, the head of the serpent and the serpent would strike his heel. We've looked at that. We've talked about that. We've talked about the promises that made its way through Abraham and through Isaac, through Jacob, down through the ages. We looked at it in conjunction with David, the king. We talked about all of that, and we've seen how God has been at work. You're here this morning. You know he's at work, I hope, in your life, in your heart calling you out of darkness, giving to you spiritual gifts, placing you in a community of believers where you're constantly rubbing against them, sometimes in ways that are good, sometimes in ways that are frustrating, always in ways that are glorifying. You know, in relationships, I always say that uh, there's a, a great little book that was out, uh, put out by one of the trip guys, and the title of it is, I can't remember if it's Paul or David, it may be Paul David Tripp, actually. The title of it is Relationships, A Mess Worth Making. We know as we come together, I always say, listen, all those relationship difficulties are, are merely opportunities for you and I to put into practice that which God has called us to be and do. To love our neighbors, to love Him. We cannot do that alone. We cannot be in relationships. We cannot be in a worshiping community. We cannot be in the world doing what God has called us to do under and by our own power. And so this morning we're looking at this idea of the power that God has given to us to do what it is that he planned long ago to accomplish. And that is the salvation of all of those whom he has called to himself. And he is doing that. And the first thing I want you to see is where that power comes from. You'll notice that Luke tells us here that the power that is needed to be a gospel witness comes from the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit is given to us. That's very important. Listen, I know some of you here, we're Presbyterian here, okay? This is a Presbyterian church. Sometimes we talk about election and predestination, all right, just to prove it. But listen, wherever you fall in that spectrum, here is one of the things you, you have to affirm when you look at the Word, and it's this, that God always seems to be the initial mover, Right? He always seems to be the one moving towards us. Rarely are we moving towards Him. In the garden, Adam and Eve, once they had sinned, what did they do? They went and hid. And it was God who initiated. It was God who came and looked for them. And then you have Abraham. You have the story of Abram. He's down in Ur of the Chaldeans. He's worshiping all these gods. It's God who moves towards him. And then in Genesis 12 and 15 and 18, it's God who initiates the promise with Abraham. And so down through the ages, 
He is the primary mover. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son into the world to redeem us. And then this morning in Acts 1.8, read, But you will what? Receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Who is the initiator? It's God. He is the one that initiates the movement of the Spirit towards us. And we receive that power. And as the Holy Spirit descends on us, to make it even more evident, just not very many verses later, we read about the Holy Spirit descending on them as tongues of fire. Listen to the way that Hudson Taylor put it. We have given too much attention to methods and to machinery and to resources and too little to the source of power, the filling with the Holy Spirit. Corey Ten Boom put it this way. I have a glove here in my hand. The glove cannot do anything by itself, but when my hand is in it, it can do many things. True, it is not the glove, but my hand in the glove that acts. We are gloves. It is the Holy Spirit in us who is the hand, who does the job. We have to make room for the hand so that every finger is filled. Listen, you and I, in order to be and do what God has called us to be and do, must be filled with the Spirit. We, this is not a very Presbyterian sermon, is it? It is absolutely a Presbyterian sermon. We believe, we know that the Holy Spirit must be and do in our lives because that is the power of God given to us. And so the Bible is very clear. Listen, wherever you're at, just know that without the power of the Spirit, there is not much going to happen in us spiritually. The Holy Spirit is God's agent his active agent, every single step of the way. Listen, first, the Spirit regenerates us. John chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Listen, listen here. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, no more than you could control your first birth can you control your second birth. It is the Spirit of God at work. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, He saved us. He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the active agent in your regeneration. That is, the initial coming to faith was the doing of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. Here's the second thing. At least there's a whole... You just go through the New Testament. You, everywhere, every part of everything that happens. But the second thing would be the Spirit sanctifies us, right? 
2 Thessalonians 2.13, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. 1 Peter 1.2, We who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. Listen, those are just the first, there's a, a couple of initial things, right? That the Spirit is this active agent given to us, powerful in our lives to regenerate our hearts. When we talk about that, what we're saying is that the Spirit is the active agent in taking what was a dead heart and making that heart alive, ready and able to hear the good news and to respond to that good news. And then the Spirit is at work in us conforming us after the image, after the pattern of the person of Jesus Christ. That's the power. The power in us comes from the Holy Spirit. Now let's talk a little bit more actually about what it does. We're talking about the Spirit in this first part giving us power, and we see that the Spirit is active and active in all of our salvation, what does this power do? The power, as John, as um, Luke tells us here in Acts 1.8, the power makes us witnesses. The Spirit of God enables us to do what we otherwise could never do. First, the Spirit enables us to love one another. The Spirit enables us to love one another in ways that communicates to the world that we are different, that we're not our own, that we are from somewhere else. There's no greater witness to the world than the way that you and I love each other. It's often recounted that in the early church, in the Roman Empire, there there are numerous numerous instances in which there were outbreaks of plagues and disease, and there were whole towns and villages that would be ravaged by illness. And and historians have noted that in those places, it was it was you know, Christians that stayed, and they stayed behind, and they took care of the sick and the infirmed and those who were dying. The Christians in those early towns would be the ones that would take care of folks. And, and they would do it sometimes at the cost of their own lives. But they loved on their neighbors. They loved on the city. And that gave rise, continued rise, to the spread of the gospel because of the way in which they were loving one another. Of course, the apostles called Christians, the apostle Paul, to have different homes, homes that look different from the world, husbands and wives who mutually submitted to one another, husbands that loved their wives as Christ loved the church, a radical idea, wives that submitted to their husbands, children that were obedient to their parents, all of these kinds of relationships. And then there were servants, slaves were encouraged to to be obedient to their masters as if they were working for the Lord. 
But masters were not left out either, and they were encouraged to treat those who were their servants kindly and gently. These are the sorts of things that revolutionized the world. The Christian love ethic changed the way in which people lived together in community. Jesus told us that we were, what, to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. I don't know about you. I can't do that in my own strength. I don't have the power to love my enemy and to pray for that guy that's persecuting me. I just don't have that power. Even with the Holy Spirit residing in me, that is a very difficult thing for me to do. And yet those are the things that we're called to do. That is the Christian love ethic that was given to the church. That's ours. Jesus told us that we were to love our neighbor. And then, in response to a question about who our neighbor was, do you remember the story he gave us? He gave us the story of the Good Samaritan. Story of the Good Samaritan in which, as this gentleman cared for someone that nobody was willing to care for, he gave of himself all the way down to the bottom of his pockets as he provided monetary assistance for him as he was um, cared for and nurtured back to health. That is the ethic. And that is what the Spirit does. The Spirit enables us to love in ways we weren't previously able to love. Here's the second thing. The Spirit who brings power to us enables us to be united. These are the two core things. The core things that took place in the early church were that the early church did well, that caused the world to wake up and take notice, were not the miracles and the speaking in tongues. Those things happened verifying they were who they said they were, doing what they said they would do. And so they, were, they had this ability to speak not in unknown languages, but in known languages, so that they would be seen as having the power of God rest upon them. But it's what they did in their day-to-day community that changed the world. And so if you turn over just one chapter into Acts chapter 2, you'll see it there. <coughs> Down in verse 42. You read there that they devoted themselves to the apostles. These are all of the believers as they begin to gather. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. That is the unity. They begin to share in this unity with one another. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, right? So their unity, their being together, their joined togetherness caused them to sell what they had in order to meet the needs of those with whom they were connected. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate, what, together and 
with glad and sincere hearts, they praised God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Read that. Verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Are you ready? Being a believer, trusting Christ, having the Spirit of God in you, does not give you the right to separate yourself from the world in ways that are harmful to your neighbors. One of the most beautiful pictures recently um, was a, a book that came out. Uh, the author of the book is a, name, a lady named Rosaria Butterfield. And uh, it, um, her story is that she was a liberal college professor up in the Northeast. She was a lesbian, and she was living her life the way she wanted to. And it was through the love and generosity of a local pastor who continued to sit, have her over for meals and to dine together and to talk about life and world events and current events that she began to have this friendship with this pastor and his wife such that she was finally converted through the way in which he loved her. Listen, the early believers, they got together, they worshiped together, they went out into the community, and they had the favor of people around them. The people who lived in those communities, they had their favor not because they screamed for their rights, not, be, not because they told them that, you know, everything they did was terrible and awful, but because they were generous and kind and loving and they were united in heart and purpose. And they loved those around them, even their enemies and those who persecuted. You can't do it in your own strength. I can't do it in my own strength. That's why we have the Holy Spirit who delivers and brings that power living in us. Inside the church, listen, what matters here is love and unity. It's a tremendous impact on the world around us. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4.3. Make every effort. Make every effort. Every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, of all who is over all and through all and in all. You see that? Make every effort to be unified. He says in Ephesians two fourteen and 18, For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, dividing the wall of, host- the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Paul's talking about Jews and Gentiles. Two groups bringing them together, formerly unable to be joined together, 
Christ brought down the wall of hostility so that the two could be unified. That's what he does. He unifies. When you see division, run. When you see people who are not united in gospel purpose, that is not a good sign. That is not a good indicator of what is going on with that person. Because the Spirit of God joins us together and unites us in purpose. So, what does the power do? First, power comes to us from the Holy Spirit. The second thing is that the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to love where previously we were unable to love and unites us in purpose for gospel work. Where does it all end? Listen, if you'll notice, Luke tells us that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. They would be there... They would be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Here's what the Spirit does. The Spirit comes in, begins to take up residence in our heart, and begins to push those things that are less important to the periphery of our lives. So that... Gospel purpose takes up more and more and more space in our heart and in our lives. That means we begin to give. That means we begin to let go of things that are less important and take hold of things that are more important in terms of gospel witness. It's the only way you and I are able to turn our attention outward to the world around us and to go and do and to be. To love, to show unity, to care, to love our neighbor the way that Jesus said to love until it hurts. Until we're actually giving of what we have. Of course, Luke tells us here that where it ends is a passion, a love for the ends of the earth. That we would begin locally. We would have a passion for what's happening right here at Lake Oconee. And then we would, that would radiate out to the state of Georgia, to the United States, to the world around us. That's where it ends. The apostles, the first disciples, they were led by the Spirit. They were empowered to do the unthinkable. Listen, think about the group of guys that Jesus called to Himself. Tax collectors, fishermen, tent makers. These are, these are guys who had absolutely no status, no ability, no real means to speak of. And yet He called them to Himself and He empowered them. And you and I are here today because their gospel witness continued. Because they were empowered by the Spirit. Because they let the Spirit lead them. Because because they gave of themselves wholeheartedly to the mission that they were called to. Do you believe you have the power to change the world? 
living inside you? Do you believe that? Do you know that? When Jesus was crucified, those early disciples fled. They hid. And upon his resurrection, when he showed himself to them, they suddenly became incredibly bold. And it's because Jesus gave to them this power and sent them with a mission that they turned the world upside down. No other reason. It isn't because they had great uh, powers of persuasion. It's not because the machinery was all in place. It isn't because they knew people who knew people. It isn't because they had great wealth. It's because they had the Spirit of God living in them and they were willing to do two things. Love the world and stay united in purpose. They took the gospel to the world. And they're still turning the world upside down. So here we are, headed into 2016. Let me ask you. Do you realize, do you know, are you cultivating the Spirit who gives power to you as you head into 2016 to love God, to love your neighbor, to love even your enemy? The only way those things will happen, the only way Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church will love the world well and love each other and love our enemies and be united in purpose is if we are cultivating the Spirit of God within us. Are you doing that? Let's pray. Father, we would praise you this morning. We would thank you for the gift that you've given to us of the promised Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray that in our lives we will be cultivating the work of that Spirit. Father, we will be taking in the Word. We will be walking with one another as iron sharpens iron. Would we sharpen one another in this community? That we would put off the deeds of the flesh and put on the deeds of righteousness. That we would love You. We would love our neighbors. We would love the the Lake Oconee area well. We would love the world. Keep us united in purpose, Father. And all of it for your glory and for the good of your church. In Jesus' name, amen.